we asked around, well, you know, what do you mean by goodness? It's, it's quite obvious, isn't it? Um, what we would understand by uh, goodness or something, uh, what it is to be good. <coughs> In my old um, school dictionary, which I still keep on my desk, uh, it says virtue, excellence, kindness. And then it says, I love this, of gravy, etc., essence or nutriment. <laughs> you get the idea, don't you? The goodness that's in something, uh, as, as well as um, uh, you know, goodness towards uh, somebody. Um, over the weeks, myself included, the preacher's... Um, giving you the Greek word. Well, it's a bit difficult this week because this seems to be the same word as last week. Crestotes. So that makes it a little bit uh, uh, confusing. So there's a similarity, really, between the kindness we were talking about last week and the goodness we're talking about uh, um, this week, hence my little uh, uh, illustration uh, earlier on. Um, to kind of explain this a little bit, for my birthday, my son, he's very, very good. He sends most amusing cards and things. But he found a book for me. It's called Theology Grams. Theology Explained in Diagrams. And uh, it's quite uh, helpful because I'm no theologian. So some of it I don't even understand with the diagrams. Uh, some of it's amusing. Uh, but there's a little one in here which sort of um, explains this a little bit when it comes to this business of what the Greek word is or what the Hebrew word is or whatever uh, is. <coughs> he says, uh, following the original language too literally will lead to very peculiar English. So on the other hand, it's good to come up with an English that mirrors how people actually speak and write. This is the search for dynamic equivalence. See, that's, that's the educated bit. This is a bit of an art. And sometimes a great-sounding English phrase might take a few too many liberties with the original. And he's illustrated it by showing the verse. <coughs> and in the middle, of course, is what we arrive with, the, um, the dynamic equivalence. And either side are the, you know, where it goes wrong. So this way... It's too literal, and this way perhaps it's too accurate. So when uh, Jesus said to Mary in the garden, do not, Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, we all understand that, don't we? And so the translator has given us something we understand. But if somebody was literally translating that, he might say, he said to her, Jesus, not me, you touch or cling to. So it doesn't work, does it? And um, the other extreme, the more colloquial, and there are some paraphrases which do this, and I, I quite, there are some, sometimes, uh, I remember somebody reading from the street Bible once, and I squirmed in my seat, it was so awful. Um, Jesus said to her, you can't touch this. But you see, it's kind of, it doesn't work, does it, you see? But the, the skill of the translator is to give us the word that, you know, fits and understands and in, in some ways explains the Bible to us. 
So, anyway, I just mentioned that in, in passing because um, sometimes it might appear clever to say, oh, well, the Greek word for this is this, but that doesn't really explain it, you know, because the translator has looked at it in its context, has looked at other, where it's used in other places in the scriptures and has come to a conclusion as to what it means. It doesn't make it um, easy uh, where the Bible we tend to use here, the, the NIV, that's the Pew Bible, and the one that appears up there. When it comes to this part of Galatians 5.22, it talks about kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. The authorized version, or what we refer to these days as the King James Version, says gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. So John, I don't know if that helps you when you come to doing uh, gentleness or meekness in a few weeks' time, but uh, there we are. <coughs> On this subject of uh, kindness, I, I read something this week, I thought I would... Uh, I would pass on to you because I, I read it and it uh, struck a chord with me. It's a story of an elderly lady who um, used to uh, like to visit her local uh, post office. And um, one Christmas time, she was in the queue to buy some stamps. And uh, there was a neighbor nearby and she was talking to a neighbor. And the neighbor said to her, well, you know, you could go to that machine over there and, you know, it will give you stamps. You don't need to don't need to stand in this queue for the next 30 minutes. And the lady turned around to her and she said, well, that's all very well, she said, but the machine won't ask me about my arthritis. That's kindness, isn't it? You see? That's, uh, uh, that's the, the difference. And um, you sometimes wish that uh, some of the uh, retail outlets you encounter, that perhaps they had that in their training sessions. But then again, you know, you go to other places and people are really very kind and helpful. So goodness. Um, what do we mean by this? You know, very often we refer to uh, somebody as being a good person. Or we say, he's one of the good guys. Implying that everybody else is pretty awful. So I have to be careful. So what, what does this mean? Um, It says Nana is good. Now, I don't know if that's a statement of fact or if Glynis uh, had the bag specially made uh, make that point. All Nanas are good, I think. There we are. But, um, so what does it mean, this, this, um, this, this, this goodness? Then the last time you endured my preaching on patience, long-suffering, you get that? Endured... Uh, we uh, journeyed through a number of scriptures to expand our understanding of what it, this uh, patience means. And I think we moved in a sort of a, a progression. Well, this morning, uh, forgive me, but we're going to go a little wiggly-windy and meander around a little bit. And I'm going to really share with you what was my sort of thought process um, uh, as a... Uh, I was uh, thinking of it, and uh, quite, a, quite a chunk of it was actually as I laid on my bed in the dark with my eyes closed. Um, and actually, it was quite a, an experience. So 
let me share this with you. I want, first of all, to take you back to the Gospels and Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler. Do you remember that story? Do you know, it's a very important story in Scriptures because three Gospels out of four include it. Matthew 9, Mark 10, and Luke 18. You remember this young man, don't you? He had everything. If you read each account, you'll find there are different aspects in each one. Not contradictions, different emphasis. You find out that he had youth on his side, that he was wealthy, that he was respected, he was a ruler, and uh, he'd had a, a, a religious upbringing, and he was what we would describe as a good man in terms of uh, <clears throat> how people would view him. He asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response was this. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. So what does that mean then? Does that mean that we all pack up and go? Because we can't be good? I don't think so. But it's good to, as it were, go back to the root and just uh, realize that it's not just a word, that there's significance here. You know the rest of the story that it, it, it goes on that... Uh, the Lord asks him about the commandments and he knows all the commandments and he's able to say to him, I've kept all of these since I was a boy. Hands up. I've kept all these since I was a boy. No. Tremendous, isn't it? And in one of the gospel accounts, we read the lovely words that Jesus loved him. He was so pleased to see a person like that. But yet, sadly, when it came to the test, Jesus said, well, that's great. Well, sell everything then. Give it to the poor. And when you have nothing, come and follow me. And sadly, he fell, didn't he, at the last, as it were. And he went away sad. And the disciples, uh, in one of the accounts, they asked there, who then can be saved? Steve's almost lost. Was this man good? Of course he was. What about the people around, the, the audience, as it were? Were there good people amongst them? Of course there were. There were hard-working people. There were parents who strived to bring their children up. There were religious leaders. Not every Pharisee was a hypocrite. Remember Nicodemus. As you and I go out and about and meet people, do we meet good people? Of course we do. What we have to remember is the person that said this. God hasn't made you and I anybody's judge. And the people we uh, meets and encounter, we're going to see, hopefully, the good in them, the spark of God, perhaps, that's in them. 
But we have to remember that the person who was speaking, the person who said these words, no one is good except God, was God. It was <coughs> Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God's Son, Emmanuel, God with us, walking this earth. And only he could say it. Humanly speaking, this young man was probably the, not a word I know, but that's the best way to write, the goodest person that uh, he had met. <clears throat> but of course, in God's eyes, we all uh, fall short. We all fail. Our sin <coughs> keeps us from God. But we must be aware that that's in the eyes of God, not in our eyes. As I said, we are no one's judge. So what's the, the point of this then? Why did my mind go to this story? Well, I guess my mind went there because of the, the expression, no one is good but uh, God. But as I thought about it, what was the point of this for me? Well, it shows me that this goodness describes our God. And when we seek to live by the Spirit and demonstrate this fruit, it's our desire to be God-like, or as we would say, Christ-like, to be like our Savior in how we behave and what we do. In uh, Philippians 2, Paul writes about having the same mindset as Christ, that of humility and uh, of an obedience uh, to death on a cross for us. You see, this goodness is not simply doing what is right. The goodness that we read about here is not about uh, moral standards. It's not righteousness. None of us is righteous before God, as we, uh, as we know. This is about doing what helps and benefits others regardless of the cost. That's the goodness that Paul is describing as this fruit of the Spirit. So where did my mind go after that? Well, I'm still in the Gospels. I've gone to John 10 now. And remember what the Lord said of himself there. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see, I believe that without a real understanding and appreciation of what Christ in his goodness has done for us by his life, his death on a cross and all that entails, we can't begin to respond or to produce this holy fruit in our lives. When I was um, uh, a young uh, a young uh, person. Uh, I was part of a brethren church. And actually, until we moved here to Somerset, that was what we knew and understood. And every Sunday morning, we gathered round what we call communion. Every Sunday morning, we remembered uh, the Lord's death. And every Sunday evening, we had a gospel service. The gospel was preached. 
Now, you might think, and I sometimes did think, well, hold on. Um, I know this gospel. I don't need to hear it week by week. Well, there are two aspects to that. The first is that there may be others within the church who come to the church who do need to know it. And you knew if you brought a friend or family to church that they would hear the gospel. And the second thing is, there's a sense in which all the teaching we need is in the gospel. Because if week after week we share and reflect and rehearse and visit what God has done for us through his son Jesus, it will change us. It will make us somebody. It will give us a real interest in the things of God. It will make us want to serve him. It will make us look out to a world that is without Jesus. And there is a sense in which I sometimes miss that. And sometimes um, I feel we miss the opportunities to speak of our Savior and what he has done for us, other than a few minutes sometimes uh, at the conclusion of a service when we share communion. Do you know, all of us, without him, well, with nothing, what have we come to this morning? Well, it's been a, I know there's been a few amusing moments, which you may remember for a few days. Um, we sung some songs uh, together, some lovely songs at, uh, at that. Um, and we've prayed together, and we may go away, you know, with a kind of good, good feeling, as it were. Uh, but if we don't know Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, then we have nothing. You see, if we're trusting in him, then he's made us right with God. He's made us righteous by his sacrifice on our behalf. It's not that we're good in any way, but because of what Jesus has done, we are made good in God's eyes. When the disciples said, who then can be saved? Of course there was an answer. And the answer was stood before them in the person of Jesus himself. This speaks of our eternal salvation. But having said that, it does not remove the responsibility we have, each and every one of us, to be the person God wants us to be. And that's why we have for us, not by chance, not by accident, but by God's divine intervention, a Bible. Before I came out this morning... um, left Jill at home, wrapped up on the settee, and she was watching um, the, uh, no, the, um, that church in London, the Alpha Course guy. Yeah, uh, what's his name? She was watching him, and he was talking about the Bible. And it was great, I had to come away, I couldn't, but, uh, that, that, so that's what she was having <coughs> this morning. 
Paul, Peter, John, all that brought together there. Why? To guide us, to instruct us, to give us a manual. Sometimes it seems we choose anything but that manual to decide how we should order our lives and how we should behave. <clears throat> but that's uh, what we have. So I want us now to move on then to these verses in Peter because this encapsulate in <coughs> you know what I was trying to say, this encapsulates some of what we've been trying to say. You see, in verse 1, he's addressing those who have, through the righteousness or the goodness of our God, received a precious faith. They've been obedient to that gospel. They've given their hearts and lives to Jesus. They are Christians. They're the sheep the good shepherd died for. They're the sheep who hear his voice. And then he tells them, that it's God's divine power, the Holy Spirit, that gives them everything for a godly or for a good life. That they have wonderful promises, a hope of eternity. That's great, isn't it? But then it goes on to say, well, don't stop there. Don't, you know, don't let's, don't let's sing wonderful spiritual songs and just pat one another on the back, as it were. He says, now because of that, for this very reason, what have you got to do? Make every effort. You know, these words are not there by chance. Effort. We all know what it is to make an effort over something, don't we? <coughs> And we all know what it is not to make an effort either. <laughs> the school teachers amongst us will know when they flick through those books, the children that made an effort, and those, think back to my days, who uh, did the very least they had to. That's human nature, isn't it? But you know, these words are, ch are chosen for a purpose. Make every effort. Strive at it. Work at it to add to the faith. That faith which is a gift of God. <coughs> which gives you so much. And to add to it what? Well, our word, our word today, goodness. It's not a coincidence that as we read through this, I'm sure you, as we read through it earlier on, you thought, well, hang on, this is sort of echoing a bit of Galatians 5.22, isn't it? There are heaps of passages in these uh, letters of Paul, Peter, and John that do that. Of course they do. Because God is trying to tell us the same thing, isn't he? Be spiritually minded. Be a person that desires my things. Put the world's things to one side and be this person I want you to be. So make every effort for these things. And then he goes on to say... With this goodness comes a knowledge and self-control that will make you what? Effective Christians. He says, he, 
Peter puts it a different way. He says, he will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. We, we move on from school now to the workplace. Now, when I first began uh, work, I kind of took the school mentality across. I can remember it to this day, really. And after a few weeks, my boss, I used to sit next to him at a desk, he was there, Brindley Oliver Lloyd. He was um, in the war, he was in the RAF, and he used to um, uh, be like the forward party for building airfields. And on warm, sunny afternoons, he would tell us war stories. Work was a different place in those days, wasn't it? But he had to take me to one side one day and in the kindest possible way say, if you're going to make a career here, you need to kind of pull your finger out. Because at the moment, you're ineffective and you're unproductive. And I'm grateful to that man because he kind of gave me the push <coughs> that I needed. I thought I was doing okay, but I clearly wasn't. Do forgive me for all these personal things, but I, sometimes I don't know how else to explain something other than to a related person. Not because I want you to know about my life particularly. So, God wants us to be effective. He wants us to be productive. He wants us to be the people whose lives please him. Whose lives produce lives that are a real help to others. For him. And what's more, this goodness, this desire to help and serve others, also demonstrates that we have an appreciation of the goodness that God has done for us. Whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their past sins. Do we ever need reminding, eh, of that? I think I'd better bring us back to the fact that our study here is around the fruit of the Spirit, the <coughs> evidence of lives given over to pleasing God rather than men, choosing a way that's not necessarily the easy path, living the counter-culture. Peter refers to it here as confirming our calling, making it evident to everybody that we are someone whom God has called. And uh, I'm not sure whether we talk very much about goodness, I hope it's helped you this morning. I hope it's inspired you. <coughs> and it has uh, me to just uh, spend the time and take that sort of windy journey through the subject. I want to leave you this morning, uh, not with my final thought, but I just want to leave you at this point with this thought from another galaxy. Be good. E.T., well done. Thank you.